Pastor Al Wart for the gracious introduction. He doesn't know me that well. And what I mean by that is, is that he was too gracious towards me, and I appreciate that very much. I don't know how that came off. Uh, again, uh, my name is Bob McKinney. I am a missionary. I like to say to the former Soviet Union and the communist countries of Eastern Europe, uh, Ken and I, uh, we are Detroit area people here. Uh, matter of fact, uh, we uh, we uh, were born and raised in the Sterling Heights area. Went to school in this area, and then uh, uh, Ken and I were married when we were 19 years old. And then over the years, we got involved in our, our local church there in uh, Utica, Bible Baptist Church of Utica, Michigan. And uh, God started speaking to us in 1991 uh, how there was a great need in the world. And I'll talk a little bit about that later on today. But God impressed upon us the great opportunity, the great need of the gospel, especially in these former, former communist countries of Eastern Europe and the Soviet Union. Uh, I surrendered to missions, went to school. And uh, this church took us on for support. might have been 1996. I'd have to go back and look because you guys are so close geographically. I probably hit this church, one of the early churches. So, um, and we've been honored to represent you in Eastern Europe. Now, when a missionary comes back, it's like a, how can I put it? I'll use a secular term here. Uh, it's like a job review. Uh, you work for somebody, there's a job review. You have to... Uh, you have to submit yourself to the church. Uh, each of us sub submit ourselves to our employer. Like, what kind of job do you do? Well, when missionaries come back, you pay our salary. And I know that sounds a little worldly, and we don't want to make it sound worldly, but that's what it is. And you need to ask questions. You need to go and see what's going on over there. Every single month for the last 17 years, we've been investing in our ministry. God's ministry over in Eastern Europe. So today, uh, I encourage you to ask good questions. I want you to know about our ministry, what's going on, some of our struggles, some of our challenges, but also uh, some of the victories. And today in the video presentation, I'm going to show you some faces of people that you've had a big impact on through your prayer support and financial giving. Uh, uh, let me stop right here and tell you my wife says hello. I know especially Stacy and Mrs. Elwert. To give you, send a special hello today. Uh, we have a daughter, our fifth child, Allie Alexandra. Uh, we have her in the school at Maranatha Baptist Academy. Uh, in the last um, the last uh, several years, uh, she's only been in the states about 18 months in her whole life. Uh, we adopted her from Ukraine when she was five, and so she is like when you get you get to the states, she's sort of like uh, how can we put a fish out of the water, so to speak. So right now, this year is focusing on getting her acclimated to American culture. Uh, a lot of people say, well, American culture is real easy. No, it's not. And it's, it's going to take a while, and uh, that's how come we got her in that in a wonderful environment there. A uh, good stepping stone to get her introduced to American culture. And uh, so that's how come mom's there. I'm going to be on the road for, uh, as I was telling Pastor Elbert, about nine weeks. And out of those nine weeks, I'm going to be home about four or five days. So it's not possible for my wife to travel with me. She sends her apology. I and both Tina and I would love to have her with me today, this morning. Uh, I miss my wife. We have a great marriage. Uh, it's like cutting off my arm when my best friend's not with me. So, uh, But she sends her greetings. Now today I, I want to explain what we're going to do. This morning I'm going to talk about our philosophy of missions. 
and uh, uh, we're going to look at Acts chapter 14 this morning. Uh, the Sunday morning service, uh, we're going to look about and talk about the need, the great need of missions in the former Soviet Union, of course, anywhere in the world. But I want to encourage you, especially on the former Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, communist countries of Eastern Europe. We're going to talk about that this morning in the morning service. And then, if Pastor wants, I'd like to speak about the soteriology of the Catholic Church, the doctrine of salvation in the Catholic Church. Any former Catholics here? Okay. Uh, you interested in that subject? Good. Um, what I want to do is explain the soteriology, the doctrine of salvation in the Catholic Church, sort of to equip you better in order to understand where that person's coming from. One of the things you, if you've ever witnessed to a Catholic, you say, you believe in faith in Christ? Yep. Have you received Christ? Yep. Are you born again? Yep. And after a while you say, I don't understand. And that's the problem, is that we don't understand. So I'm going to explain how this all works in the Roman Catholic Church and sort of better equip you as, uh, as believers to explain the doctrine of salvation from a biblical point of view to a Roman Catholic. So I'm going to, and your pastor does a good job on that part of it. I'm going to show you the other end so you're able to explain it better and give you a better understanding of the, what they're teaching in the Roman Catholic Church and why it's such a struggle to teach the Bible there. Take your Bibles and turn over to Acts chapter 14 this morning. Acts chapter 14. Uh, in this passage of Scripture, Paul and Barnabas are on a missions journey. They were sent out from the church of Antioch. We'll see that in Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 1 uh, through 3. And uh, they are heading out. And uh, they do three things in this passage of Scripture. If you take notice of verse 21, 22, and 23 here. Let me read it. And when they had preached the gospel through the city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystrium and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church, he had prayed with fasting and commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Uh, this morning, I want to very quickly see three things in this passage of Scripture. In verse 21, Paul and Barnabas evangelized. They evangelized. In verse 22, they edified the believers in the Lord. And then verse 23, they established local churches. So three things we want to take a look at this morning. But the very first thing in verse 21, uh, they evangelized. Now, I want you to take a moment and think about this is if you went to a foreign culture and the language is different, the food is different, the housing is different, obviously you would stick out like a sore thumb. How would you reach out? How would you evangelize? What would you do to reach out and be able to explain the gospel of Christ to people around you? Learn the culture? Yep. You had to learn the culture. Uh, of course, you know the culture. What would you? What would be your next step? How? Get a job. Okay. Can't work. Can't can't get a job in Poland. It's very difficult to get a job in Poland, or a lot of places. You know, you come to the United States, you can get a job anywhere. Doesn't matter what nationality is. I, that's a joke. Um, 
unfortunately, it probably sounded good. Um, but um, it's very difficult to work outside the United States as an American. So keep that flowing. Somebody can help them. We're in the language. Okay, we're in the language. Well, let me let me give you let me give you the viewpoint. Okay, the local priest has told them that we're a cult. Okay, and they've warned warned them about these people coming to the door. Now, could you imagine uh, a guy with a with a beard, excuse me, uh, with a one of those funny looking hats on their head? maybe wearing more of a skirt than a pair of pants, knock on your door and says, hi, I want you to invite you out to my local mosque. How would you react? Yeah, come on in, have some coffee, I'm interested. What would you say to him? Yeah, adios amigos, get out. Right. That's how they view us. And you have to understand that. So going back to the question is, is how do we outreach into a culture? Some more ideas. You started down that road. Yes, sir. Right. You see somebody on the side of the road and need, need some help? Un- right. Unfortunately, most of the time they're, they're 50 miles away. Anytime you see somebody who needs help, it doesn't. it's never immediately around your house. So you can invite them to your meeting. But, uh, yes, absolutely. Be a friend. Uh, one of the greatest things in the world where I live is that and one of the beautiful things is, is that you, you, you treat your neighbor real good. I had the most wonderful neighbors. I don't know if they really liked me or they were doing it for good works. Uh, but I had the, most, the greatest neighbors around. But how else do we yell we kiss it? Okay. Um, I bought a piece of property out, out in the village had an acre and a quarter of ground and the whole side block I had was really basically a soccer field. They love soccer, volleyball. And I was talking to the mayor of her village. And uh, we got along good and got to know her. Uh, we did some things, uh, humanitarian aid things. And uh, I said, uh, I'd like to do a vacation Bible school. And she thought it was a great idea, except she goes, the priest will never let it happen. And here's Americans, I don't care about the priest. But the problem is, is that the priest controls the minds of those people there. And that's one of the challenges, is that starting with the kids is one of the most more difficult things. And I agree with you, we need to start. But like I said, again, if, if a Muslim came to your door and knocked on your door, says, I want to play with your children. Can I have them come over to the mosque? Okay, so again, that is a challenge. Some more ideas. Yes, sir. say something very harsh. I believe it's not about caring for the people. It's all about control and power. And what you're doing is you're endangering his job. That's one of the things you have to understand about the Catholicism. Is that there's a lot of good people. Don't get me wrong. And they've done a lot of good things. But the bottom line is it's all about controlling the mind, controlling the people, controlling power there. Good observation. I would love to start, but I don't think I'd get two seconds with him at all. Matter of fact, I've never been able to. Uh, matter of fact, Catholicism teaches in the school several times a week in the public school there. Somebody asked, why do you send your daughter to public school? I don't want to 
exposure to that. I'd seen a missionary's daughter. She was about five, six years old. And we went to a, um, a um, uh, uh, salt mine. And she was in a Christian, supposed to be a Christian school in Krakow. And she got up in front of John Paul. And at six years old, she drops to her knees and crosses herself. And I said to the missionary, um, you know, what your daughter did to me was just like, and that taught me a valuable lesson, how much influence, even at that young age, that Catholicism has on the kids in the school. He had no idea. And that's one of the reasons I never put my kids in the public school. Uh, Germany, missionaries in Germany. I don't know if you support anybody in Germany. Terrible place. And the school system, with some of the things that are, that are done there in the school system. Okay. So the question is, is how do you outreach in these cultures? Um, does anybody speak English here? Okay, everybody speaks English, right? You would be great missionaries, and let me tell you why. English is the trade language of the world. Everybody wants to be able to speak the English language. And a lot of them, they've already been prepped because all their videos over the years have subtitles. So they're hearing English and reading the subtitles. So uh, a lot more advanced than us in other languages. But the English language, and of course Hollywood does a good job marketing around the world and their philosophy, but there are a preset on the language. So one of the things we have to understand is, is that we as Americans have something that is, is, that is marketable anywhere in the world, and that is the English language. Why do we want to do that? We want to be able to sit down and let them get to know us and we get to know them. That's what's so important is, is that uh, in ministry, it is taking our time and being involved in people's life. Unfortunately, we live in an American culture, and we want to give out a Bible track and say, here, read that and take two Bible verses in the morning and get saved. God did not design, and we do not see in the Word of God, that whole philosophy there. The philosophy, I believe, what we see in the Bible is Christians caring about people and be able to get to know people be able to open up the Word of God and explain it to them. So that is one way we have gotten into the culture is in uh, using language. Um, now, in Poland, it's a lot tougher, but another area we've been able to work in when we were in the country of Belarus is in orphanages. Now, um, they are, it's a pretty difficult place, but at least compared to Poland. And uh, we were directed to a large orphanage in this country of Belarus, in Minsk, Belarus. And um, God opens up the doors. Uh, I believe if we pray every day and say, God, bring somebody in my life I can witness to. Open up the door. Um, a lot of times we want to take the Bible and cram it down somebody's throat sometimes. But one of the most marvelous things in the world is that you pray and say, God, open up the door. That, that, that door will open up. And let me explain we, um, we had an orphanage that opened up to us to play some games in, and we got to meet the headmaster. His name was Redeemer, uh, and Vlad for short. And uh, for several weeks, we, we played with the kids. We did games and different things. There was 200, almost 200 kids in this particular orphanage. There, a lot of them had parents who just they couldn't take care of them, and they were there in that orphanage. So my partner and I started praying about it. He says, that, well, we're not here to play games. We're here to teach them the Word of God. So we prayed about it, and communist country uh, does not they do not believe in God um, Christianity has basically been the adversarial philosophy if you understand communism 
And we started praying about asking the Deemer about letting us teach the Bible to the kids. So we, we it was probably a month, six weeks, and finally we sat down with the Deemer and says, Deemer, uh, we really enjoy you allowing us to play with the kids and do different games, let them get to know us. But I think we have something more important. I, says, I think we, we have something to offer them that would really help them out tremendously. And I said, we'd like to teach you in the Bible. You know what he did? He smiled. He said, I know you guys are missionaries. What took you so long to ask? And it just it spoke to my heart is that, wow, God opens up the door. If we're willing to step out by faith and pray and ask God, open that door, open my, the door of my neighbor, my coworkers, my friends around us, that is our duty. That is our obligation as believers. And God will open up those doors if we're willing to step out by faith. So God opened during that period of time the door to, to 200 kids. Other areas we've been evangelistic in is, is uh, camp ministries. We've had several camps over the years in the country of Poland. We take the Belarusians from Belarus into Poland. We would um, uh, have different activities and be able to have a place where we could teach and preach for two weeks to these kids and be able to witness to them. Um, humanitarian aid a few years ago, I don't know if, you, know, if you uh, remember, we had flooding in southern Poland. You'll see that in the video presentation. In southern Poland, we had a tremendous problem with flooding in our particular area. Uh, fortunately, my house and our meeting place was not touched, but only a quarter of a mile away from my house, there was houses that were up. The water was up to the second floor and a tremendous problem. And we wrote home very quickly. We started spending some money. Churches responded. And uh, uh, I don't know if your church was involved, but my supporting church was sending about $10,000 very quickly to respond to this, this problem there. Well, it was really great because then we could hand out something, a need, but along with that, an invitation to come to church with a Bible track. Um, funny thing is we were out in the uh, middle of a village. We was in a half-track military vehicle the fire department had. They had nothing to give out. I pulled up with my car full of stuff, and uh, they helped. The firemen helped bag, put everything in bags for me where we could hand out individual gifts, but they were helping put Bible tracks and invitations to church, the firemen. And they were helping me hand me stuff where I could give it out to the people. It was wonderful. So what I'm saying here is, is that we look for opportunities that God will allow us to intersect in the culture, get to know the people, and our, our thrust as Christians is to the point of where we can open up the Word of God to them and explain what the Bible teaches. Now, we don't get them saved. The Holy Spirit does that. But God uses it as a tool and Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That is our duty as believers, is communicating the Word of God to the people around us. Verse 21, Paul and Barnabas evangelized. But verse 22, it says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. The second thing they did was they edified them in the Word of God. There's 38 million souls in the country of Poland. Can one missionary reach the country of Poland? 38 million. One missionary. What do you think? We've got to have a plan that works. You know, there's only a few missionaries in the country of Poland. Few missionaries in the Czech Republic, few missionaries in Russia. I mean, I'm talking a few. 
can we reach those cultures who are Jesus Christ? And everybody's hearing me. Okay? So you're confused or you didn't have enough coffee. Which is it? Okay. Yes, no. What do you think? Give me some feedback. No, from humanly speaking, it's no. And your wife says, yes, you're going to have some problems today. I've been trained in counseling if you need counseling today. All right. Your wife is absolutely right. God does have a plan. Humanly speaking, you say, oh, oh, I, I, I can't reach 30, 38 million people, or my share of the, of the people might be around 5 to 10 million. That's impossible. But you know something? God gives a plan that does work. And I'd love to sit there and illustrate to you, so I'll have to give it to you real quick this morning, is, is that are you good in math? Are you the smart one in math? Okay. Have you ever heard about the penny and you double it every day for 30, 31 days? Have you ever heard that story? Has anybody heard that story? Okay. Okay. How much is a penny worth at the end of 31 days if you double it every single day? It's over a million. It's over a million. Okay. Let's, let's use that il illustration here. Let's use this illustration right here. Is that we have one soul that the missionary reaches trains in the Word of God for the year, trains him to be a disciple. That's our job. It's not just giving out Bible tracts. It is making a disciple, Matthew chapter 28. We are to make disciples of Christ, followers of Christ, little Christ is actually what it means. After one year, the missionary says, I need to go and reach out for other people. And the disciple says the same thing. So in the second year, if the missionary and the one disciple outreaches the second year and they both reach somebody for Christ. One, three, is that difficult? One? Is one soul that difficult to go and find? I'm sure if you pray about it, God will open that door. So how many do we have? We have two. Second year, how many do we have? Four. You are a smart guy. Okay. Four people. And we continue that process. So we study the Word of God. We understand what the Bible teaches. And those four or those missionary and those three become disciples. A disciple is one that communicates the word of God to other people. So after four, after after the second year, you have four people, and everybody goes out and reaches one each. How, how many do we have in the third year? Eight. Fourth year. Fifth year. Sixth year. Okay, and we'll use the illustration after thirty-one. Days we have over a million. How many more to reach 38 million? We're at 31 years. 30, a couple more years. 30, 32 years we'd have at least two million, four million, eight million, 16 million, 32 million, and we've reached the goal. You see, if we follow God's simple plan of missions in the Word of God. One missionary, one missionary can influence a country. So you're absolutely 100% correct. Humanly thinking, you say, because you know what a lot of missionaries do? They go out and they fly airplanes. And we need airplanes in some, in some areas. And we need different outreach tools. And we need Bibles. But when we get down to it, when we get down to the, the grunt work, so to speak, of missions, it is establishing local churches because local churches should be evangelistic. 
they should teach the nationals in the Word of God. One of the major things I do is have work different things translated to be able to communicate the Word of God. Systematic theology, Baptist distinctives. Um, we just go through uh, an overview of Old Testament, New Testament. What we do is we establish them in the Word of God where they can explain the Word of God objectively and logically. That's what Paul and Barnabas was doing. They were evangelistic. They went to the next step. It was educating the nationals. That's just as important because a national is going to be able to outreach to a lot more people than a missionary not knowing anybody or teaching English classes to teenagers. How many people do you know? How many people do you intersect with every day? The store clerk, the gas station clerk, the neighbor, your co-workers. Missionaries don't get to do that. Your pastor doesn't get to meet everybody. And it's not your pastor's job. It is his job, but his job is just like everybody else's. His job is to be a disciple maker. So Paul and Barnabas in verse 21, as they evangelized, verse 22, they edified them in the Word of God. In verse 23, very quickly, have one minute before I have to play this video here. It says in verse 23, And when they ordained them elders in every church and prayed with fasting and commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. The third thing they do is that they established churches. See, God's plan is to go into this world and establish churches around the world. You see, there's a lot of people that do, they do hospitals, they do schools, they have all different kinds of programs, camp ministries. But what happens when the American dollars stop coming in? What happens? It folds up. It's all done. And it's a great evangelistic tool if we use those things. But there's one thing that will continue to grow indigenously in the culture. We like to use that word indigenous, indigenous church planting. We don't Americanize people. We teach them the Word of God, and inside that culture, a church forms and continues on. If it's done properly, all these other organizations fall by the wayside when the American dollar, when the economy takes a hit here in America, and it will do it in, in the future, but there's something that will continue on. What's that one thing? What continues on? A church. Thank you. I'm glad you're listening. Give you an A plus today. Math and listening. A local church. And that's what ministry, that's what commissions is all about. We're starting churches, giving them a good foundation theologically, and working to the point where the missionary, missionary can step out. The past 17 years, our philosophy and you'll see this in the video presentation, is establishing local churches. And that's what we've done in Eastern Europe. We believe that's the philosophy. That is a philosophy that's based upon the Word of God. I'm not a smart guy. I'm a car salesman. God called me in the ministry when I was in car sales. You know what all car salesmen say, don't they? Trust me. Pastor, trust me. You know... The only thing I can do is open up the Word of God and say, here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. That's what we do. That's what God calls me to do. I'm not eloquent in speech. I'm not good-looking. Um, I don't even speak real well. But as a believer, we can open up this book in any culture and say, 
this is what the Word of God has to say. Now, what are you going to do about it? That's what we do, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we should be doing in the country of Poland, in the former Soviet Union. That is what we should be doing in Royal Oak, Michigan. That is our duty as believers. This morning, I'm going to show you a 10-minute video, and I'm over my Sunday school time. I apologize, Pastor, sometimes I get wrapped up and think away from this. But uh, I'm going to show you my video presentation, give you a little bit of background about the McKinney's, uh, sort of my family. I have five children. The four of them are grown now. They're off on their own. I have uh, one daughter. We're in the transition stage with her right now. And uh, so my wife and I are uh, anxious to uh, see how God is going to work in the future. I want to introduce you to my family, then also introduce you to the uh, Polish and the Belarusian culture. Uh, you're going to see some food. You're going to see some religion. Uh, you're going to see um, some buildings where they live and sort of give you a taste. But then we're going to go into a part about our philosophy and ministry and how we applied what we've seen here in Acts chapter 14 to what we're doing over in Eastern Europe and sort of give you an idea of uh, our ministry over there. This morning, again, I welcome good questions. I want good questions. You need to go and ask me good questions. You folks have been investing for many, many years, both prayer support and financial giving, and today is the job report of what's going on. And it's your duty as believers to make me accountable. And that's what you need to be doing, is make Bob McKinney accountable and worthy of representing you in Eastern Europe. Let's take a video. Hi, we're Bob, Tina, and Allie McKinney. We serve as church planting missionaries under Baptist World Missions and are sent by Bible Baptist Church, Shelby Township, Michigan. God called our family into the ministry in 1991. Since that time, our family has grown. Today, our oldest son, Scott, his wife, Kathy, and our two grandsons make their home in Michigan. Jason, our second son, and his wife, Angie, make their home in Pewaukee, Wisconsin. John, our third son, and his wife, Liz, make their home in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Tim, our youngest son, who graduated from Maranatha Baptist University in 2012, makes his home in Watertown, Wisconsin. And finally, our daughter Allie will be leaving the nest and attending Maranatha Baptist Academy in Watertown, Wisconsin to complete her senior year of high school before entering Maranatha Baptist University in 2015. For the past 17 years, we have served in the former communistic countries of Eastern Europe. We began in Minsk, Belarus in January 1998 until God closed the door and moved us to the country of Poland in 2004. During our time in Belarus, God allowed us to be part of two church plants, both in the capital city of Minsk. Upon moving to Poland, we assisted as a team in planting a church in Szczelce, Poland. Later, God directed us to move to Boknia in the southeastern part of Poland to begin another church. Once this church was established, God directed us to begin our latest church plant in Niepołomica, just outside of Krakow, Poland. Poland is a beautiful country. The southern part is bordered by two majestic mountain ranges, the Tatras and the Carpathians. Its thousand-year history is rich as seen in the sites, the architecture, the festivals, and the city squares. Unfortunately, Poland's history bears a dark period. 
During World War II, the German Nazis invaded Poland, rounding up the intellectuals, religious leaders, the undesirables, and a large percentage of Jews, and placed them in concentration camps and extermination camps, such as Auschwitz and Birkenau. In 1988, the Solidarity Movement ended Poland's bondage under communism, opening the way for the gospel. One cultural experience is enjoying Polish food. Some popular dishes are barszcz, beetroot soup, pierogi, dumplings filled with meat, cheese, or sauerkraut, gołunki, meat and rice stuffed cabbage rolls, potato pancakes topped with sour cream and goulash, roast pork, breaded pork chops, and Bob's favorite, galanka, a braised pig's knuckle served with hot mustard. And we can't forget potatoes as a side with almost every dish. Desserts are always served with an artistic flair, including the popular Polish apple pie called charlotka. And if you don't care for charlotka, the bakery shops now offer a selection of cookies, muffins, and other sweets. City dwellers typically live in high-rise apartments, constructed out of cement and covered with styrofoam for insulation, while the general population outside the city live in small wooden houses, some up to 100 years old, or modern homes like we have in America. The dominant religion in Poland is Catholicism. Over 90% claim to be Catholic. This is evidenced by the many church buildings spread throughout Poland. Both the exterior and interior of these churches are filled with pictures, icons, and statues of Mary, the saints, and even the Pope. A Polish Catholic faith is based upon man-made objects and traditions. The religious tradition does not stop at the walls of the church, but is manifested as crucifixes, statues, and Mary houses on display in front of one's home and are viewed as a means of obtaining sacramental grace to the owner. Even in death, this religious tradition reaches beyond the grave as seen by the many lit candles lighting the dear one's way to heaven. Our church planting philosophy is based upon Acts chapter 14. In verse 21, Paul and Barnabas evangelized. During our 17 years working in Eastern Europe, God has provided us with many various opportunities to establish relationships with nationals in order to communicate the gospel of Christ. One of the opportunities was working inside an orphanage where 175 kids were housed. We held a weekly game night and Bible lesson time. Another ministry was holding a monthly ladies' Bible study and craft time. Everybody likes a picnic. One way we were able to meet nationals was by hosting an annual church picnic. We barbecued, played games, and shared the gospel. Yet another opportunity involved Americans teaming with us to hold summer Bible camps. Object lessons are a big hit in any culture. Sometimes you have to get a little dirty and messy to demonstrate sin. 
Bob enjoyed getting dirty as he defined sin to this group of campers. One of the greatest joys was getting presents out to the needy at Christmas time, which illustrates the free gift of salvation that most Polish people do not understand. Another summer outreach was having organized sports programs. In 2010, a regional catastrophe hit close to our home. The early spring rains and the melting snow caused massive flooding. This gave us another opportunity to share both physical food as well as spiritual food with those in the hardest hit areas. One year, we had Dr. Jack Mitchell and his wife come over and do dental evangelism. Nothing like having your audience captive. Of course, each national was given the gospel along with an invitation to our services. Paul and Barnabas evangelized in verse 21. In verse 22, those who responded to the gospel were edified in the word of God. Several ways we edify believers here in Eastern Europe is through our weekly services, seminars, consistent teaching, and the translation of good Bible materials into the national's language. In Acts chapter 14, verse 21, Paul and Barnabas evangelized. In verse 22, they edified the believers, and in verse 23, they established a local church. Following after Paul and Barnabas' pattern, we formed each body of believers into a local church. A church covenant was voted upon, the Lord's Supper table was practiced, and believers were baptized into the membership. Bob and I are truly blessed to be supported prayerfully and financially by churches like yours.
साथ 